All right, because three is a crowd, I'm here today, as always, in the bunker with Kelly. How's it going, Kelly? It's great. How are you? It's going really well. We are here today to talk about Bob Dylan and a song that he did. Yeah. We are we are currently in the midst of our Woody Guthrie month. If you listened on Thursday, you had to listen to the Dust Bowl Ballads. Yeah. I have been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the number of vertebrae in a normal human spine when the bones that form the coccyx are counted individually. And this oh. week, we listen to Bob Dylan's I Shall Be Free. Coccyx is your butt. his first album, Freewheeling Bob Dylan. I mean, it is. Well, it took me a woman late last night. I was three-fourths drunk. She looked all right. Till she started peeling off her onion gook. She took off her wig, said, how do I look? I was high-flying, bare-naked, out the window. Well, sometimes I might get drunk. Walk like a duck and smell like a skunk Don't hurt me none, don't hurt my pride Cause I got my little lady right by my side She's a trying to hide Pretending she don't know me Alright Kelly, so we spent the week with 1963's I Shall Be Free Recorded in 1962, but we'll get to context in a minute How was your week with this song in particular? Eh, I don't know it, it's, it's kind fine. of a come down from Song to Woody Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely did not. So I guess it's kind of it's an interesting question because it's, it's like I have I laughed at this song. I don't know if I laughed originally when I first heard it, and so I'm curious. Like, did you find it funny? Were there any like gut busting moments, or was it just like kind of a baffling experience? Because I tried to listen to it as if I kind of knew nothing, and it's kind of it's a weird song. It's just a weird run on of like yeah. weird ideas. And I understood that immediately. Yeah. It's funny in the way like a New Yorker comic is funny, where I definitely wouldn't be laughing at, but I would give a derisive smirk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I see fun. your satire. Okay. Yeah. Well done. Well done. And it's, I mean, anytime you write a political song is, is interesting for the most part. I, I mean, I don't know. I guess there's probably a lot of really bad political songs, but. Oh, there's tons of bad political yeah. songs. And why I think there's also tons of, and we'll talk about it a lot more later on, just the idea of funny music Mm -hmm. the song itself was recorded on december 6th 1962 in five takes although he took the first take so he realized after all those takes that take number one was the best one (laughs) that session produced eight songs that ended up on freewheeling bob dylan which is probably still celebrated as one of his best records of all time definitely one of his best but also of all time eight of them were first takes wow that were taken in full on the record which is astonishing uh there was also a a broadside session that he played this song and and changed all of the words around um i didn't i wasn't able to track that one down so we do apologize about the oversight here at sign on the window we do however have volume nine the whitmark demos which is pretty much the same song but at the end of it he admits to not having his notebook in front of him so he was almost doing that on the fly and there's only one verse that's really like drastically different in that it's a like a brand new verse but we'll get into more because there's a couple other iterations of that as well according to clinton highland the decision to end the album with i shall be free was quote probably intended to show how rooted his music remained in the forms that served him well before he ever dreamed of becoming the songwriter now daringly displayed he still liked to leave him laughing and the structure 
to get into it right now, the structure of I Shall Be Free uh, it comes from We Shall Be Free, which we talked about a little bit last week, put it on the playlist for you to listen to. It's now on this playlist as well. But a lot of those lines he kind of definitely draws from, and that's, of course, Cisco, um, so, you know, Cisco, Sonny, and Lead Belly, too. So all of them are on that recording with, um, with Woody. I was down in the hen house on my knees, thought I heard a chicken sneeze, nothing but a rooster saying his prayers, thanking his God for the bullets upstairs. He's a preacher. Taking up collection, you shall be free. Paying off names, you shall be free. Well, the good Lord shall be free. Now you tell me. Well, some folks said the time is hard. Preacher said to put your trust in God. Man, it's no different than what you see. A whole can't run too fast for me. Get my hopes up. You shall be free. I done told you. You shall be free. Whole beats up. Do you know what that song's about? I try to figure out what the song's about. Oh, uh, We Shall Be Free? Yeah. I don't know if it's about anything. Well, I think it is. I think it's a metaphor for something. And the metaphor that I think it is, is, I don't know, I have a feeling that it's supposed to be like the idea of a man, more specifically possibly a black man, being around women and like how that's a problem and that like, I guess it would be, you know, a black man around a white woman, how that would be an issue because it's like about these this rooster in a hen house and getting plucked out by a preacher and like man you listen way deeper than me well i yeah i it's hard to hear the harmonica makes me scared it's not a harmonica even it's there's some droning thing in there that's like hangman blade style maybe it's just like a monster oh i know i love it though it's scary anyway uh, and it's it's not a great recording, so it's no, it's kind of hard old. to make out what they're saying. But somebody did their best to transcribe it. There's like a bunch of ellipses in the song, and I could kind of understand it more when I looked at it. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's I think that's what it's about because it's again it's all metaphor. They're talking about roosters and pigs and hens and stuff. But I yeah, think yeah. it's supposed to be like commentary some, on yeah racial garbage yeah. with all these woody songs you're just like oh shit he says that line and right. man he is really if anything else saying that on key exactly like what he's doing i mean he he knows what he's doing by putting those references in you know i don't know if i musically would have clocked this as the same as that song yeah that's fair that's fair it, 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 that's true and i think the only reason that i sort of did is because i on Spotify, and we were talking earlier about this, like the way that people now are able to have all this music at their fingertips. Mm-hmm. This was one that I didn't know looking into it. But when you look up, maybe there's a song with Woody, you know, Cisco, Sonny, and Lead Belly too. Oh my God, there's only one. Oh my God, you listen to that. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't heard I Shall Be Free, then it, those lines wouldn't have jumped out to you. And then when it did, it's like, oh, clearly he's riffing on this whole thing. Yeah. And like take a take a whiff on me, no idea. I mean, that's all Highland. I I wouldn't have known that. But when you listen to take a whiff on me, you're like, yep, yeah. I completely see that. And so it takes a, a vast musical knowledge like that, or the internet. And the beauty of a podcast, obviously, is that we are the internet. We are here. <laughs> we wouldn't be making this if we were two you know two people that like were obsessive about something, and we had to like bring only our personal knowledge to it. I think those shows for what they're worth, are kind of gone at this point. Yeah. You know, now it's, there is preparation. There is more to say. And I think a lot of people, especially me and you, I want to bring you the webs. 
because I want you to be hooked. But I also want you out there to be hooked. So I want you to understand, like, oh, these are really cool things that he's referencing. Oh, my God, maybe I'll go listen to a Lead Belly record. Yeah. Like, that's great. That's what you should do. The final piece of ephemera before we get into the song is, I find this really funny, um, the session tape for that December 6th, uh, 1962 recording um, was actually in circulation because it was misplaced by Columbia by being marked audition folk singer. <laughs> all right, so Kelly, let's um, before we dig into those all those alleys, we've placed a lot of them out. Let's talk about the people in the song. So this song is a is a song rooted in the early 1960s. Mm, absolutely, uh, you were alive then, so you have. <laughs> when it, we were way far before this, way far. Yeah. yeah. So. We're coming at this from uh, from pop culture, you know, just like what has survived. Um, Martin Luther King is one that obviously does, but like Latunji doesn't. So who are all the people that we meet uh, in this song? When my telephone rang, it would not stop his President Kennedy calling me up. He said, my friend Bob, what do we need to make the country grow? I said, my friend John, Bridget Bardo, Anita Ickberg. Sophia Lauren, country of Grove. John F. Kennedy, <laughs> Senator from Massachusetts, Democratic Senator from Massachusetts, was president from 1961 to November 22nd, 1963, when he was assassinated. That will end your political career pretty fast. Lieutenant in the Navy during World War II, served from 41 to 45, graduated from Harvard. Uh, Eisenhower was the president before him, and he was succeeded by Lyndon B. Johnson, who was his vice president. So there you go. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah, it's weird, too. It's like he was shot pretty much. I mean, I guess it would have been roughly. I mean, so this was recorded in December of 62. Yeah, he would be dead by the next year. So this album would come out in April, I think, of 63, and then all of that. So it's crazy. And I think that's where that event, this album, it sort of ties in this voice of a generation stuff of bob dylan it, all of that just is starting right now like this is it right here so it's um, wild i think it was cnn they did a, a this is the 60s, 60s or whatever yeah. i watched a couple of them they're really good i want to watch that some but yeah. um my mom told me some macabre stuff i was like why does jacqueline onassis get out of the car or like turn around like why does she turn around the second he gets shot and like she's like hunched over and she's grabbing parts of his brain from the back of the car is what she's doing. Like, he gets shot, and she does like, I, I'm sure it was this thing, something took over her body, and she didn't know what was happening, but she's like, stuff is flying, I need to get it. Yeah. And she's picking up, like, parts of his fucking skull. Oh, my God. And I was just like, why did you tell me that? Yeah. <laughs> because they kept showing um, that, that yeah, thing over and over in the documentary, over. and I was yeah. just like, ugh. God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, have you ever delved into, like, the JFK conspiracy stuff? Well, I watched those two things, and, the, like, the, yeah. the one episode was entirely about him and and yeah i mean that was really cited as the first time the american public stopped trusting the government entirely yeah. everyone was really convinced that it was an fbi or cia cover-up something yeah. um because there's no way that a bullet could travel the way it traveled oh and yeah, the that, magic bullet thing well yeah and it sort of the ricochet things yeah people didn't through the other congressmen that was like it happened, in, yeah. yeah um yeah it's all kind of crazy and then there was like the babushka lady so there's a lady on videotape who's wearing, like, a Russian babushka, you know? Like a headscarf thing. Headscarf thing. And then she, of all the people in that videotape, the FBI was able to find pretty much all of them, the major people that you could see, mm. but never found the babushka. Oh, no. It's like those things are fun in a way. I mean, it's terrible situation 
as is. But then obviously you get Oswald being fucking shot. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's all right. Well, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it doesn't get any easier from there. I I personally don't care. I'm yeah. not into it. So, but it's still a, it's a weird cultural event, and a lot of things have portrayed it well. Mad Men did a whole episode on that. Um, that was really powerful. It was really good because it sort of looked at the sort of you understood as the children were watching that. You got the whiffs of, um, you know, I think anybody older would – obviously who went through that, but also something like Pearl Harbor would be. Mm. I think they referenced that. Uh, but from, from the Don Drapers of the world, you know, the older generation, like this feels like that. And, of course, we have 9-11. So it's like all of those feelings got into this one hour of TV, which is really powerful because that's really the only thing I can think. I think Elvis gets that billing as well. Where mm. were you when Elvis died? Like – and then 9-11. Like, I don't, it's like there's no history between those events, which is the, kind of crazy. Well, no. I guess the moon landing is Yeah, that would have been before that. But even but, – well, it's 69. That was after oh, JFK. Was but oh. but even that, like Mad Men covered yeah. that to a plum. It was beautiful. Yeah. you know, And it, it did the same thing. Yeah, I think the moon would be another. Sorry, another I was just thing. like JFK was the one that wanted to go to wanted the moon so bad. Moon. Yeah. So for me, I conflate the two. Like that happened while he was alive. <laughs> yeah. That's how he died. He was flying. He was launched into space. Never came back. Oh, my God. Excuse me, Chad. Here is a flash from the Associated Press, Dateline Dallas. Two priests who were with President Kennedy say he is dead of bullet wounds. There is no further confirmation, but this is what we have on a flash basis. Is he okay? Associated Press. Two priests in Dallas who were with President Kennedy say he is dead of bullet wounds. There is no further confirmation. This is the only word we have indicating that the president may, in fact, have lost his life. It has just moved on the Associated Press wires from Dallas. The two priests were called to the hospital to administer the last rites of the Roman Catholic Church, and it is from them we get the word that the president has died, that the bullet wounds inflicted. So I knew nothing about Bridget Bardo. She's still alive. September 28, 1934 is when she was born. Actually, the, all the three starlets you mentioned in this verse were all, all yeah. born in September. Really weird. <laughs> What's the conspiracy? I don't know, but there definitely is one. So she was a French actress, singer, dancer, model, and animal rights activist. She was a sex symbol in the 1950s and 60s. And she sounds like a generally lovely person. She like did the specific pose, I guess, that they call now the Bridget Bardo pose, uh, where she was wearing just tights and she was topless and she like had her arms crossed in a certain way that I guess a lot of people... Uh, I've mimicked throughout the years. Turns out (laughs) she's a fucking human garbage fire. She took a turn. Did take a turn. She's been repeatedly fined by French courts for espousing racist and Islamophobic bullshit. Also said a bunch of homophobic shit and is generally just a a white French nationalist garbage fire. Did you read or quote about about gays? Oh, yeah. Something about... Oh, it's amazing. No, I got it. I got it. Okay. I got it. She contrasted her close gay friends with today's homosexuals who, quote, jiggle their bottoms fun put their little fingers in the air (laughs) and with them (laughs) what is it castrato what those ghastly heteros put them through (laughs) and that's some uh and that's the end of the quote thankfully have i said the words ghastly hetero before (laughs) i don't know but i feel like i could she called them fairground freaks oh yeah yeah that was nice that was a nice touch and then at the end as an apology she said apart from my husband who maybe will cross over one day as well I am entirely surrounded by homos. Mm-hmm. For years, they have been my support, my friends, my adopted children, my confidants. Yeah. How could I possibly say anything about gay fr- people? I have gay friends. And also, I call them homos. It's just <laughs> yeah. like, that's how we talk. That's my preferred term. That's all. I mean, obviously. <laughs> Next, we have Anita Eckberg. September 29th, 
1931. <laughs> and died in uh, January 11th of 2015. So yeah. a couple years ago. Swedish actress, best known for her portrayal of the character Sylvia in Federico Fellini's Little Jevita. She apparently never seen it, but I guess it's a really big deal. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen Eight and a Half. That's the only two yeah. that I've seen. Definitely heard that dude's name. Fellini, like yeah. a really famous Italian director. Yeah, he does a lot of like... I mean, I think people credit him for the dreamscapes. See. See what must you see. Listen. See. He's great with, like, eight and a half is basically just one long extended dream sequence. So whenever you see Sopranos do it, Mad Men's done them. You know, every show has their sort of dreams episode or whatever. And it's like your dreams. Your dreams yeah. are just completely different. So so you've seen Little Javita. Yeah. So you know Anita. Well, yeah, but <laughs> did I know her? She worked mostly in Italy and she was, a uh, fun fact, she was Miss Sweden in 1950. Nice. There you go. So That's we got a French and we got a Swede. All right. Sophia Lauren. Sophia Lauren, born September 20th, 1934. So just a few days before Bridget Bardot. What's the connection? Dun, dun, dun. Also Italian, actress and singer. Her full name, Sofia Costanza Brigata Villani's Shalone. Famous for The Pride and the Passion, Houseboat. And it started in Naples. She won an Oscar for Best Actress in 1962 for two women. She also won a Grammy and some other stuff. Lots of stuff. Uh, BAFTA. She got a BAFTA in there. Sure. In uh, 1982... She was convicted of tax evasion and served 17 days of a 30-day custodial no. sentence. Shit. Huh. Well, tax evasion is better than being an open... Bridget Bardo. Fucking Bridget Bardo. <laughs> being openly Bridget Bardo. <laughs> All right, so that was uh, that was one compact verse yes. of... Uh, so, like, two, three more verses later? Yeah, a couple verses later. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So... Oh, sat me down on a television floor. I flicked the channel to number four. Out of the shower comes a football man with a bottle of oil in his hand. Greasy kid stuff. What I want to know, Mr. Football Man, is what do you do about Willie Mays? Martin Luther King. Ola Tunji. Willie Mays, born May 6th, 1931. The Say Hey Kid. The Say Hey Kid. I tried to look up what that meant, and it was just like so much secondhand garbage, I couldn't figure it out. But yeah, the Say Hey Kid. Um, a professional baseball center fielder who played for the New York slash San Francisco Giants. Correct. Uh, and finally, th- his last few seasons, I guess, were for the Mets. He played 22 seasons, which is I know, it's just a king long. Especially since baseball goes for like the whole year. Oh my God. Uh, no, it only goes from April to October. Oh. That feels long. Oh, it's a long. Yeah, they play 162 games in the year. Yeah, that's a lot. Versus like 82. 18. Well, football, football plays 16. 16. The NBA play NBA and NHL play 82. No, oh, they both yeah. play the same. I don't know. Yep. Well, that's fun. Uh, he entered the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1979. He, he got the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2015. And the AT&T Park, which is where the Red Sox. Nope. Oh, my God. The San Francisco Giants. Red Sox. Why did I say? It's probably because the only baseball team I know. The Red Sox. I mean, I don't know them. Like, I you know don't. more than that. There's the Cubs and the Yankees. Can we just do like an hour of me naming baseball teams I yeah, know? that's fine. Okay. All right, we'll start now. Cardinals. That's good. I'm out. Oh. <laughs> Orioles. That's it. A's. Yeah. Rockies. There you go. 
Oh, Marlins. Marlins. Now I'm done. Okay. <laughs> the AT&T Park where the Giants play, San Francisco Giants, yes. is addressed at 24 Willie Mays Plaza. No That's, way. There are 24 palm trees in the park. Whoa. There is a tribute wall to Willie Mays, and there is a bronze statue out front of him. Also, the right field wall mm-hmm. is 24 feet high. They oh. really give a shit about him. Also, well, the they also retired his number 24, so yeah. nobody can wear it. And the Say Hey Kid is, there's a little like restaurant in the, you know, like a stand. No it's called the Say way. Hey Kid, and they have Say Hey Sausage Specials. Whoa. There you go. That's intense. Willie Mays. Uh, Ted Williams said about him, quote, they invented the all-star game for Willie Mays. He shares the record with the most all-star games played with 24, along with Hank Aaron and Stan Musial. So he, every year, he was a fucking all-star. Wow. That's like un- absolutely unprecedented. And he got a bunch of MVPs and stuff. Absolutely. And he's better known, you wouldn't know this, but he's known for the catch, which is a 1954 World Series. He does, he does the, I mean, and, and it's parodied you know, in pop culture, but like he basically was running, imagine running the balls above you and he just holds out his arm. That was a great visual gag for everybody <laughs> out there. And I don't know why I need to visualize it, but yeah, he does that catch the overhand, mm. the overhead catch uh, that saves the game. And they end up uh, winning the, f- I mean, they swept the Indians. It wasn't like they were going to lose the game if he didn't get it done, but they swept the Indians in 54. That was the last world series that the giants won. Until 2010. Oh, so they went on a huge drought. Is Willie Mays a hologram? No, he's alive. He's alive. He's still alive. It's crazy. Uh, God bless. Go Willie. Go hey. Willie. Baba Tunde Olatunji. Mm, okay. I didn't know any of that stuff. I just Olatunji. Uh, there you go. Nigerian drummer, educator, activist, and recording artist. He made speeches before his performances centered around his progressive political and social justice beliefs, which are outlined in his 2005 book, The Beat of My Drum. With a foreword by Joan Bias, who I know. You do know her. <laughs> Personal friend of the show. Personal friend. <laughs> he released Drums of Passion in 1959, introduced African drumming uh, to many Americans for the first time. Uh, he influenced a lot of jazz and rock musicians, including John Coltrane, all the way to Carlos Santana. Oh. There you go. Who knew? All the time you. Martin Luther King. Little guy. Martin Luther King. Born January 15th, 1929. And died on April 4th, I think, right? 1968? Anyway, when he was 39, which I didn't realize he was so young. Goddamn. I know. Baptist minister that was probably the biggest figurehead of the civil rights movement. uh, Practiced nonviolent protest techniques that he learned from Gandhi. Um, Well, not learned from. He went to India to learn some stuff. Did he? Didn't he? I don't know. Or his advisors did. There was definitely people going to India to learn nonviolent protest techniques. Is this the point that I tell you that Mad Men had a great episode on King's death? I think you should. Okay. They had a great episode. <laughs> Transcendental episode. Shot by the coward James Earl Ray on the balcony of his hotel. His birth name was actually Michael. And he was jailed 29 times. Martin Luther King Jr. has been sanctified and completely like watered down to modern America. Um, everybody would hate Martin Luther King today, even in the last year of his life, he was a fucking radical. And he was saying the war in Vietnam is just a war that kills black people. It's a war that kills people of color. The time has come for America to hear the truth about this tragic war. I've chosen to preach about the war in Vietnam today because I agree with Dante that the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who in a period of moral crisis maintain their neutrality. 
There comes a time when silence is betrayal. Even when pressed by the demands of inner truth, men do not easily assume the task of opposing their government's policy, especially in time of war. Now, of course, one of the difficulties in speaking out today grows out of the fact there are those who are seeking to equate dissent with disloyalty. And it's a dark day in our nation when high-level authorities will seek to use every method to silence dissent. Martin Luther King Jr. is dead and does not have to answer for anything. It's the same thing with Rosa Parks. We have just completely... Mm-hmm neutered her she was a radical her entire life and we just think of her as some old lady on a bus that's not the truth at all so the albany movement which would be where thinking about bob dylan was the start if you will not the start but it was the start of the partnership with king with the southern was it the southern christian leadership conference the Mm -hmm. sclc um that was the first time that they they went to albany georgia and they protested nonviolently, and they were arrested multiple times he thought he didn't see the reason to do it. He was sort of hesitant about doing it. He thought he would go, give some notes, but it was pretty eye-opening to him that like, even knowing that it was all going to be peaceful, it all kind of went down the way that it did, and I think it changed his outlook. Uh, he said later on, and again, this would be what Bob Dylan is seeing in the world. So uh, King uh, was arrested, and seeing sort of the pressure on them, this was the second time he was arrested, so this would have been about maybe 10 months before he was writing this song. Um, he was let go from prison quietly, so that just like get out of town. We don't want to see you here again. Um, apparently, Billy Graham, you know the big pastor, oh, he, yeah, yeah, he's the one that actually paid the bail, which is kind of weird because we don't think of Billy Graham like that because he's like the go-to presidents go to him. You know, mm-hmm. it's like he's kind of the just the most mainstream Christian that there is. But he actually paid for for the bail for for Martin Luther King at the time. And Martin Luther King said at the time, he said. Uh, we had witnessed persons being kicked out of off of lunch counter stools, ejected from churches, and thrown into jail. But for the first time, we witnessed being kicked out of jail. Hmm. Uh, and after Albany King uh, sort of took that, um, took all of that knowledge, which they were fighting for something vague, and they took it specific. And so when he went to Birmingham and he went to Selma, those are the things we remember because they're incredibly specific. And they went after places that they knew, like Georgia, wasn't probably the right place to go. Because it was way more moderate than fucking Mississippi and fucking right. Alabama. They did what they needed to do, which was get people like Bob Dylan sitting in New York watching that, seeing, like, this is straight fucking injustice. Like, these are people who are marching down the street being bitten by dogs and being doused with fire hoses. And he took that to St. Augustine, Florida. That, and he, they did it on purpose. They went right to the beaches to get arrested, to, to make a scene. I think the Martin Luther King that, that Bob Dylan is referencing here is certainly not the one that came later, especially with Birmingham. None of that had happened yeah, I mean, so he wouldn't he was die just, until seven years later. Well, yeah, 68. But even, but even Birmingham, the March on Washington hadn't even happened. You know what I mean? And that's what we remember him for. Bob Dylan played a couple people before Martin Luther King Jr. Right, it's yeah. like, what a bizarre world where you're just like referencing the news essentially – and then that sort of thing happens, like, after this. Like, how fucking crazy is that? Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, yeah, he died in 68. So we'll never really know. But I think it's important to remember that Martin Luther King was – he was a radical thinker. And it, to sanitize him is, is not to do him justice. So 
We were taking the black young men who had been crippled by society and sending them 8,000 miles away to guarantee liberties in Southeast Asia, which they had not found in Southwest Georgia and East Harlem. So we have been repeatedly faced with the cruel irony of watching Negro and white boys on TV screens as they kill and die together for a nation that has been unable to seat them together in the same schoolroom. All right, let's finish with Elizabeth Burton, Elizabeth Taylor, and Richard Burton. Didn't look up Richard Burton because I don't care. You didn't look up Richard Burton? He was Elizabeth Taylor's husband for a little while. Oh, my God. (laughs) Shade thrown. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. They called them, what did they, Lizzie and Dick? Liz and Dick? Liz and Dick. Yep. Uh, Dame Elizabeth Taylor. Actress. What's that? She's a dame. She was knighted or whatever? No, she was damed. I think it's a similar thing. Like Dame Judi Dench. But insane. that's like the queen. Like, yeah. you wouldn't become a knight. She was British when she was from Britain land. Yeah. What? They moved when she was young. Yeah. Fuck. Right? I know. Oh, I that's know, crazy. Right? I didn't know Britain would just be like, oh, you left when you were like three. We're claiming you. We're claiming you. <laughs> that's weird. That's what we're never get away from old Blighty. Yeah. Uh, born in February 2732 and died in March, March 23rd, uh, 2011. Yeah, actress, businesswoman, humanitarian, uh, really famous in the 50s and 60s, did a shit ton of movies, a bunch with that guy Richard Burton, 11 to be exact, whom she married twice, uh, the first time from 1964 to 1974, and the second time from 75 to 76. Didn't go so well the second time around. They got married in Botswana the second time. Uh, I didn't read that. Um, (laughs) She was also briefly married to Eddie Fisher from 59 to 64. So this is why I know who the fuck Elizabeth Taylor is. Okay tangentially because i like carrie fisher r.i.p oh. and carrie fisher is daughter of eddie fisher and debbie reynolds yeah debbie reynolds and elizabeth taylor were really close friends and they were starlets like they were both really famous at the time right um debbie reynolds mostly broadway but like also an actress in, in movies and stuff yeah uh elizabeth taylor broke up their marriage she left yeah. richard burton uh, and uh, Eddie Fisher left Debbie Reynolds so that they could be together. So Elizabeth Taylor and Eddie Fisher could be together. And Eddie Fisher, they, that didn't last very long. Uh, she was married to him from 59 to 64. But yeah, that caused a huge feud in their friendship, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> so she, yeah, she left Richard Burton. He left Debbie Reynolds. And yeah. that's why I know because I watched a thing that Carrie Fisher did in like 2009. It was like a stand-up thing, kind of like a stand-up. One of those like weird things that, actors sometimes do that are kind of funny where it's like you can't call it stand-up because it's not really routine it's not like jokes yeah just kind of weirdly monologuing for an hour she was cleopatra in 1963's cleopatra yes she was that's where they met that's where burton and her not met but they that's where shit started going down so like what bob dylan is taking from this that movie came out in 63 so after the recording but it was all of the um it was the creation of the movie that was stirring the headlines so they were oh. in the tabloids every day gotcha. so bob dylan was just constantly hearing I'm tired about of the two of seeing, them. yeah because they would get the married joke. the following year. and i think that's part of it too it's like i want to make love to elizabeth taylor get y'all from richard burton it's like that's what you're doing right now so i'm like gonna gotcha. i don't know yeah 
so it's like commentary it was just on pop that. Culture at the time. Yeah, and then Cleopatra was the most, and the reason why is because that was the, she was getting paid a million dollars for I that. Know, that was my fun fact. And the she, first actress or first actor period to ever get a million bucks. Get a million bucks from And me. she all, that almost bankrupted Fox Studios oh, because it took them so long to earn it back because it, they spent so much money on it, and they actually blamed the reason on Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton for drawing negative attention with their shit to their (laughs) movie uh, which is crazy and actually apparently the public completely disapproved but it's like today that that totally makes sense we sit here and we talk mad shit about people but secretly we love it back then it's like a little bit more prim and proper Mm -hmm. you know different culture of course 50 years ago but they secretly were just eating that shit up oh yeah i loved it in the eddie fisher debbie reynolds stuff like that all was a huge thing too liz taylor was all up in that richard rich what Please. Don't storm off like that. Don't go off like that. When you still haven't apologized, bitch! You really Stop it! Do you raise your hands? Well, stop fucking hitting me! Only when you fucking apologize! We're fine. We're just talking. She. I also know her name because of White Diamonds. Her fragrance. Oh. White yeah. Diamonds by Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, and she was also uh, one of the first celebrities to get behind the HIV/AIDS activism movement. Okay. She actually helped raise over two hundred seventy million dollars. Whoa! Um, back in like eighty four, before for those people, homos, for those finger twirling, <laughs> those ass waggling, freak. Oh, ghastly heteros. That's that's yeah, right. The yeah. ghastly heteros. Um, well, we ghastly heteros are good job. <laughs> um, I'm gonna throw a little bit of Richard Burton at you. Sure, yeah, I didn't strap in. It didn't go well. So a lot of people remember Richard Burton uh, basically as somebody who wasted his potential because of alcohol. In 1977, he admitted that he smoked 60 to 100 cigarettes a day. How? How? Yeah. He just chain-smoked all day. Uh, According to his biographer, Richard Sellers, he said, quote, at the height of his boozing in the mid-70s, he was knocking back three or four bottles of hard liquor a day. How? And Burton said... That he, this is where it gets sad. He turned to the bottle for solace, quote, to burn up the flatness, the stale, empty, dull deadness that one feels when one, when one goes off stage. Oof. I know. And then Burton the Charmer, and of course, obviously, when you're a fucking drunk like that, you're going to say some fucking shitty ass things. But clearly, Elizabeth Taylor and him started out on really shitty footing. It was quicksand to begin with. And it ended in quicksand. What did you expect? But basically, people said at the time, Elizabeth Taylor was the most beautiful woman on earth. And Richard Burton, the charmer, said, quote, the most beautiful woman in the world is absolute nonsense. She has wonderful eyes, but she has a double chin and an overdeveloped chest, and she's rather short in the leg. Well, cool, cool. Um, and then apparently, he and Elizabeth Taylor had plans to be buried together, even after the fact. And his widow, Sally, at the time, Burton's widow, purchased a plot next to Burton's and then erected a large headstone across both <laughs> to prevent, presumably, to prevent her from living. Which is crazy. The pettiness <laughs> that even goes on. Even in death. Even in death, you will not re- be next to Cleopatra. Oh, man. If only somebody had done that for Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Anyway. Rough. But anyways, Oof. that was enlightening. Yeah. All of those stories really helped, you know, draw out this... Uh, this tale that Bob Dylan is weaving. So Kelly, let's let's talk about the song itself. We talked a lot previously to this about Bob Dylan changing the lyrics around and genuinely sounding like he's having a good time. There are moments here where he almost breaks into laughter. Mm-hmm. There's a couple little laugh tracks. Highland notes here, and I'm going to quote Highland inside of another Bob Dylan quote, so bear with me here. 
uh, this is Highland, quote, he always he also sounds at least half a lifetime away from telling an interviewer, and this is Bob Dylan, I lose my inspiration in the studio real easy. It's very difficult for me to think that I'm going to eclipse anything I've ever done before, and I get bored easily. And my mission, which starts out wide, becomes very dim after a few failed takes. And then Highland picks it back up. He says, on December 6, 1962, there would be very, quote, few failed takes. Having a ball, he lets wordplay be his guide. Oh, there ain't no use of me working all the time. I got a woman who works a self blind, works up to her britches, up to her neck, writes me letters and sends me chicks. She's a humdinger, folk singer. Late one day in the middle of the week, eyes were closed, I was half asleep. I chased me a woman up the hill, right in the middle of an air raid drill. I jumped the fallout shelter, I jumped the string beam, I jumped the TV dinner, I jumped the shotgun. I think that's pretty telling. You know, obviously we're talking about a young kid yeah. who is having a lot of fun. And the Bob Dylan that comes later is going to be very... Next week we will listen to an oppressed Bob Dylan, oppressed by the studio pressure and producing things that just aren't very good. But this Bob Dylan right here is freewheeling. He's just writing songs and putting them on tape. And they're brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So obviously he lifts the... I jumped a string bean. I jumped a TV dinner. I jumped a fallout shelter. Uh-huh. Uh, from We Shall Be Free, where he says I jumped a rose bush. I, I jumped a rose bush. I jumped a gully or something like that. Yeah. Um, does that mean anything? Or is he just like, I'm going to lift this lyric and uh, say some shit that's yep. around, which is relevant to the time. TV dinner, yeah. Fallout Shelter. Yeah. And it weirdly dates it, but then it makes it almost a timeless little have encapsulation. <laughs> sort of. But then you're also like, that's what I think of when I think of the 60s. You know, automated dinners and Fallout <laughs> Shelters especially. Yeah, for sure. Um, the The other thing that I did pick up on was the... He's eating bagels. He's eating pizza. I was like, "Is this a comment about Jewish people, Italian people, uh-huh. and black people?" Sure is. Sure is. Yeah, about politicians being disingenuous and like, yeah. "Look, I'm just like everybody." And in the in another version, he says, "Instead of shitlands, it's bullshit." He's yes. eating bullshit. So, yeah. So he totally understood. I think this is funny. I think this this song is fucking hilarious. Yeah. I think this is like a Bob Dylan breaking free of the confines of his first record, where it's all very straightforward. He tries to do this again two albums later, called "I Shall Be Free," number ten. And it's terrible. It's just yeah, not funny at I all. I saw that for a second. Is it? Is it supposed to be? I didn't actually read or listen to it, but it's it's a rough go. It's a rough okay. go. It's not good. Is it supposed to be related though? I think they're they're related in that they're the same sort of funny song structure. But whereas this one's actually funny, that one's like pathetic. It's okay. a really pathetic song. To when that. was the John Birch Paranoid Blues? John Birch was before. Okay. Oh no! Well, not, it was around. No, no, it would have it would have been on this record. It would okay. have been on freewheeling. So on the original press, there's like 300 in the world that have John John Birch Society talking John Birch Paranoid Blues on it. Hmm. Um, but it was taken off as well. That was a good episode. John Birch was a good. Yeah, good well, song. That, this song is very much like yeah, the talking absolutely. blues. Yeah, yeah, we talked a lot of the talking blues then, um, and this one just has more direct antecedents like uh, Lead Belly in Take a Whiff on Me he says I got a woman six feet tall sleeping in the kitchen with her feet in the hall I got a woman who's five feet short she yells and hollers and screams and snorts like same same cadences same everything Uh, from Talking Blues he not only he takes kind of the idea and I guess we can talk about the character if there is one in this um, in this song Uh, he sort of takes the character from that 
uh, in the final verse of Talking Blues, he says, Ain't no use me working so hard. I got a gal in the rich folks' yard. They kill a chicken. She sends me the head. She thinks I'm working. I'm laying up in bed. Just dreaming about her, having a good time. Two other women. So a little, little gross. Woman's out working. I got two other women in this bed with me. Uh, and he kind of takes that. I mean, the person, the main character, if you will, in this song, Bob Dylan, if you want. But more, I think, a overall satirical look of society. Yeah. There is this guy. And obviously he's riffing on the past. So he's sort of taking those tropes and sort of inverting them in weird, fun ways. But he's also a goon. He's just a gross buffoon. He's a fucking idiot. And he's like a drunkard, obviously, the one line where he's talking about how much he drinks. And I think a lot of the times you sort of see it inverted where you see it. Let me just throw my phone. Cool. Oh. Is it okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course it's okay. Not of course. iPhone broken iPhone screens are like a thing of our our generation. Our lives. generation. Yeah. Our generation is a broken screen. <laughs> I mean, oh, Jesus Black Mirror. Christ. What was I saying? Oh yeah, and usually it's like the the woman is the one sort of taking advantage of the guy. That's usually how the stories go. Those kind of like a typical country western song is I'm out working all day mm. and I got the woman back at home, you know, doing whatever. And it can either be like I got a woman back home, guys, I'm dating someone, yeah, or like. <laughs> I'm taking advantage. She's spending my money. Yeah. Exactly. That's so, a song, right? Yeah, um, I believe it's called Gold Digger. Yeah, by Kanye West. <laughs> and, um, it's, yeah, it's a classic country song. Eighteen years. Um, so the verse that I, that one specifically, where it's like she's a folk singer. <laughs> yeah. Is that about Joe Biden? I know. That's what people say. I think <laughs> people who want to make this Bob Dylan, uh, that's fun. Yeah. And hilarious, and lovely, and I love it. And also, it paints a really dark. Portrait poor Joan. of <laughs> poor Joan. If it's really about Joan, it's sad. Yeah. I think it's just a comment on like she's making it as a folk singer. Like yeah. it's hilarious that anyone's making any money on folk singing. I was out there painting on the old wood shed when a can of black paint it fell on my head. I went down to scrub and rub, but I had to sit in the back of the tub. Cost a quarter. Yeah, the satire is really biting. Hearing that probably in 62, 63 would have been like... That's what it's so hard to keep in your mind. It's hard to keep that context of like, Mm -hmm. this is happening. Think about that. The Mm -hmm. thing that everyone, like Martin Luther King, the next thought is, I have a dream. This song is the year before that. It hasn't even happened. What the fuck? Exactly. I think that's what's fascinating about it. And um, yeah, and I I just think the character himself, I mean, to, to another biting little you know hint of sat- satire too is that if we're sort of following around this person it's really interesting when he encounters mr football man but also when he encounters that politician it's like at the end of the day this fucking drunk fool is still the person that the politician is like courting because at the end of the day i mean that's a comment on voting rights and you know that's exactly what a lot of the civil rights movement was for was just to fucking be able to vote yeah. i mean that's another thing that's i think a little bit lost in just this like i don't know just history obfuscates that kind of stuff but mr football man that's interesting you know a bottle of oil in his hand greasy kid stuff what does that mean yeah so apparently looking into this and he's talking about willie mays i'm okay that's where that one is and apparently i didn't get this and that's why i think the song is still so great because it's got these hidden little things um apparently the greasy kid stuff like mr football man is basically like the hair gel that you would use to sort of 
do your hair. Oh, like, it's like it, a it, pomade situation. Or yeah, anything, exactly. Like, yeah. Before the, the afro became a thing, when people were like, "No, I'm not going to wear that shit mm. to like look different for for white people." Right. And uh, and so yeah, I was looking online and like apparently you know from a lot of different places, people see this as a commentary on white culture ignoring the needs of black people uh, in minor matters such as cosmetics. Um, and that this is a part of a larger endemic racial prejudice. Like we and, still do today. Like Dove just did their fucking ad oh where it was a black God. woman taking off a shirt and then it was a white woman. Oh, like, my God. Yeah. And yeah. it's – you can just – all you have to do is just look at that for a second and there will just be links and links and links. Not not just to new articles and shit but going back years and years yeah, and so years of advertising. Years, yeah. And yeah, you still do that shit and you do it unthinkingly and that's the society that you would have hoped left in 1963 and has not and even while we were in southeast asia there are so many products that are supposed to whiten your skin because there's a lot of darker tones in in asia too and then like it's just so sick and sad and like there is a transcript of this song um a typescript i guess that bob dylan wrote out um he never played this live the other variations to the song just to kind of close if you listen to the whitmark demos you'll notice it's out of order but then he also added a line about reno and like going off on a horse to oh, get yeah, a divorce. Yeah. So that was a brand that was totally different. The woman also, I love the line. It's like she wants to she wants me to grow a mustache on my face. Insane. Oh yeah. It, like, <laughs> love it. Was that supposed to mean something? Because the other version, like, okay, I'm caught up on the Bob Dylan lyric dot com lyrics are completely different. They are. Well, not completely, but very different. He says she wants me to grow a cigar on cigar my face. On my face, yeah. So I didn't know if this was like some weird I don't know. Uh he also had other lines um on the TypeScript that said, sometimes I might get high, walk like a duck, buzz like a fly. Dumb. Sure. <laughs> uh, another couple takes, he said, I was standing on the corner just waiting around. The prices were up and the temperature was down. Cost too much to freeze outside, so now I sit by my fireside, burning telephone books, burning newspaper clippings. Huckleberry Finn hats. Little reference mm. to his hat. That was nice. I wish that one kind of made it. Because he would have thrown the Huckleberry Finn hat line away. He would have done that. It would be like, burning telephone books. Burning newspaper clippings. Huckleberry Finn hats. Yeah, it would have been great. And you would have been like, oh, that's funny. Mm -hmm. Especially because we've listened to Folk Singer's Choice. When you're rich and famous, you're going to wear the hat too. Oh, I'm never going to become rich and famous. (laughs) (laughs) And you're never going to take off the hat either. (laughs) And then, of course, we mentioned uh, in his, um, I think, 19, I want to say 80 something, 85 maybe. I know that's Biograph came out. Around then, but either way, writings and drawings was his first compilation of all of his lyrics and some of his drawings. Like he, he, you know, we know he's a painter. Our logo is his paintings, but also he painted like music for Big Pink, the band's first album, uh, self portrait. He, right. he drew that as well, or he painted that as well. Um, in that, there's another verse that says, "She took off her wheel, took off her bell, took off her wig, said, how do I smell?' Well, I got a woman sleeps on a cot. She yells and hollers and squeals a lot. Oh, there's." Oh, there ain't no use in me working so heavy. I got a woman who works on the levee. Mm-hmm. So instead of being a folk singer, now she's like working for, you know, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. I guess. Like, that's yeah. great. Cool. Working on that dam. There you go. There's there's something to be said, too. We have not listened to Freewheeling in total, but there's something to be said for the emotional journey, the political journey, the craziness of the singer coming out of nowhere and singing these really powerful, challenging songs and then ending us on this weird grace note. Out of nowhere, like, what is this fun little song that we're having? Oh, my God, I can breathe for a minute. That's great. Well, they ask me why I'm drunk all the time. It levels my head and eases my mind. 
I just walk along and stroll and sing. I see better days and I do better things. I catch dinosaurs, make love to Elizabeth Taylor, catch hell from Richard Burton. Hi, Kelly. Before we get to our sham of picking what next week is, uh, do a whole song and dance about it. What um, what else were you sort of doing this week in 2017? Um, I started listening to a couple of new podcasts. I don't know how I have the time to listen to so many podcasts. I don't know how you do either. But here we are, one that a bunch of people have recommended on other podcasts I listen to is You Must Remember This, where um, I can't remember the host's name. She's great. It's well-produced. Um, and she talks about Hollywood, old Hollywood specifically, but she also, the most recent episode I listened to, cause I'm like going back through the whole thing, uh, was about so. Isabella Rosalini in the 1990s. So it's not just old Hollywood, yeah. but, um, I also listened to the, was she a part of old Hollywood? Kind of, her parents, okay. I guess her dad, she's the daughter of Ingrid someone. Burn? It's funny. We're actually, there's a song that Woody Guthrie wrote called Ingrid Bergman. Bergman, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he actually, Billy Bragg sings that song. Holy shit. Yeah, there you go. This is all coming together. Yeah, that song's great. Okay. That's a great song. Well, there you go. So the daughter of that person and another person, and I forgot. Um, So she was like of famous people and then became an actress kind of later in her life, in her 30s, which is late for actresses. Anyway, um, and yeah, we listened to, uh, we took a little road trip, my girlfriend and I had this last weekend, and um, we were listening to a podcast. We listened to an episode that of... You must remember this about um, Judy Garland and how Judy Garland's funeral was one of the inciting like moments of why the Stonewall riots happened. I'm not really, but like the fact that she died and a lot of gay people were in the same room together for the first time, not in a dingy bar, not in a secret space. Like, holy shit, there's like a hundred of us. There's a lot of people. We're all gay and we're here. It's really fucked up the way we were treated. Maybe we should do something about it. Um, and then the two nights at the the Stonewall Bar when the police were um, raided it, uh, Dave Van Ronk was one of the nineteen people. I think it was nineteen Crazy. people arrested on that night. So Crazy. on the second night, Dave Van Ronk. Dave Van fucking Ronk getting arrested at Stonewall like a badass. Like a badass. Uh, and the other thing I want to say on our playlist this week for our song, you put a song by someone named Frazy Ford, which uh-huh. I had never heard of her before. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're not free. Uh, she reminded me a lot of Tori Amos. Yeah. And it was really a cool song to hear. I listened to that album. The album's good. Frazy oh, Ford. Really? So, what's up? You must remember that. You must remember that. You must remember this. The podcast and Frazy Ford as an artist. It's good. There what go. a recommendation! Sweet from Kelly <laughs> coming in with something more than Cupcake Wars. It's great. I love it. I love it. Also, Cupcake Wars. Cupcake Wars. <laughs> okay. Uh, for me, um, Wolf Parade came back after years and years and years. With a record called "Cry, Cry, Cry," it's okay. Um, it's okay. Alec, it's fine. It, it's good. It's 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 Wolf Parade. They've been gone forever. It's great to hear them. Uh, Alex Leahy apparently knew. She, I mean, do you don't listen, Kelly. She's from Australia. It's really good. She, she has a record called "I Love You Like a Brother." Yeah, and uh, and then probably the the record I want to re- recommend the most, and it's the one I've listened to so many times. A band called Hard Girls. Uh, it's called Floating Now. It's so fucking good. When you first got a job at that law firm, we went up to Seattle, and it was Chris Farron, Restorations, uh, Cheap Girls that we didn't stay for, and fucking Hard Girls. Hmm. Uh, I saw Hard Girls was also with uh, Jeff Rosenstock when they came to Portland years ago. So primo. They were with Smith Street Band when they came to Portland, too. They're everywhere. 
Blow in your life up. all the time. Yeah, great, 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 great album. It's so good. <laughs> so on that note, let's go ahead and pick next week's episode. This is a sham. So I've already long and hard. I thought I thought of what I wanted to do, and so I don't think my pick is going to be understood by a lot of people out there that love Woody Guthrie Month and are into it. But we're going to go down that route for I think reasons you'll be able to discern if you've if you've listened to it. So Kelly, we are at five hundred and one. Ooh, that means in two weeks we'll have less than five less than five hundred. So one out of 501, what's the guess? 302. Ooh, 284. <laughs> <laughs> just... Oh, 302. Guess what? We could have done it in an alternate timeline. Take a guess. Is it blindly like tell? No. What's the next thing that you want? Oh, I don't know. Desire. Oh, the whole album? The whole album. What? No. No. <laughs> Doesn't it hurt? Man. Yep. Uh, 284 was another album as well. Not as good. Under the Red Sky. Uh, this was uh, the one with God Knows on it. If you think back to God Knows. Is it the Slow Train Coming one? No, that's no. called Slow Train Coming, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is. Well, it's sad. It doesn't matter. It's up to random.org. It's true. It's true. Uh, and they'll never pick 302 again. That's what we know. And they'll never pick three. So thankfully it's not number three because uh, that will never happen ever again. Um, next week we're going to do a song called Union Sundown. Off of 1983's Infidels, our first Infidel song. And of Infidels, there's eight songs. Four of them are classics. Four of them are not good. (laughs) This is one of the four that's not good. So we are going to be doing that. We're going to be looking at it almost as to why I chose it. So we're going to talk about what's going on in the song, draw it to to today's world. And I think we're going to draw some parallels to Woody Guthrie and sort of some songs that he wrote about this sort of idea that Bob is trying to articulate in this pretty bland rock song from 1983's Infidel. So join us next week for that. Have a good night. No. Oh my God. That's right. Uh, We are a real podcast. If you didn't already know, we have um, a website, SOTWPod.com. We have a Twitter at SOTWPod. We have Instagram. And Tumblr. Tumblr. Um, Hmm. Facebook, Twitter is my go-to because everyone there wants pictures of dogs. Yeah, man. And I'll dogs. date myself, but today was National Farmers Day, and it was great because we did the Dust Bowl Ballad Blues on National Farmers Day. Oh, it's a good reminder. Shit. I know that's what you can expect from Sun on the Windows Twitter is up to date, current trending. You keep pointing at yourself when you say up to date. Me, up the to date, person. Up to date, <laughs> Twitter trending. Just searching for clicks. That's what you can expect from me. Oh, my gosh. All right. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. For Union Sundown. Who knows? It could be the sundown of our union (gasps) next week. Whoa. Are we going to get in a fight? Oh, no. I mean, like, the country's going to blow up. Oh, okay. I'm going to die. I'm I'm more okay with that. (laughs) That's fine. If you 
walk across my camera I will flash the world your story I will pay you more than money Ingrid Bergman Not by pennies, dimes, nor quarters But with happy sons and daughters And they'll sing around Stromboli Ingrid Bergman This old mountain, it's been waiting all its life for you to work it. For your hand to touch its hard rock.